0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. And also, we're going to be talking about one older book that was suggested on iTunes for us at the end of the podcast. That is Catwoman, The Cat File. So we'll be getting that later. If you'd like to request a book, you can do that on iTunes as well. Just leave us a rating and a comment. could be an old graphic novel, trade collection, comic book maybe that's new that we just haven't gotten to, whatever it is. All good. We
1: love talking it. About could be it. anything.
2: It could be something we want to read, like yeah. Pete wants to shout out like some Punisher thing. Ace- Ace-
1: Eastman and Laird Seishman, Ninja Turtles, you know? Yeah, I mean, Pete, that would Pete be fun. don't
0: request it right here. If you could just go to the iTunes comments, yeah. uh, leave us a five-star rating would be great. Yeah, and then, Throw out uh, one of your uh, burner account. accounts. Like, don't talk shit up, about What's up, everybody? Us. It's me, Pete
2: LePage. i one of the hosts of the show. It's me, uh, Pert Le- Le- Purge. I'm just a regular <laughs> fan of the show, just here to recommend <laughs> Punisher number six thousand. So Even far, he left, guns it
0: up. I've left fifty comments under different names, so you're it's oh, fair wow. game, Pete. Go for it. Let's kick it off with some new books, though. The Jurassic League number one oh, from DC man. Comics, yeah. written by Juan Gedeon. Let's keep and it fun. Daniel Warren Johnson. Art by Juan Gedeon. now. Pete. You're a huge Daniel Warren Johnson fan. This is a new book that he's not doing the art on, but it does have
1: dinosaur versions of the justice league. So it's like, it is about this. Well, he's a co-writer, you know, as someone who's Mm. a co-host, I understand. You know what I mean? Like sometimes (laughs) it's nice to work on a collaboration. You know, Mm -hmm. you still get your voice out there, but it's not all you. Um, So, yeah, I think this is just a ton of fun. The art's fantastic and uh it's just it's cool. it is just like uh you know, I mean my favorite was the wonder Don, um but man, uh you know, just kind of seeing all the different ones it, it's easy to get the premise it's fun to follow and uh the the art is just uh, really f- great and it brings you right back to the 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 golden uh well a jurassic era, if you will. Wow. But you said it's easy to get the concept. So just, uh, sorry,
2: slow down for me here. Yep. There, so there's a bunch of dinosaurs here. No, but no, they're no. Dressed, here, here we go. No, no. Here's, the, here's, what, here's
1: the premise. Here's the premise, okay? Oh, boy. Yeah. What Gosh, I can't believe I missed this.
2: The Justice League... Superman. Was, and His friends. Yeah. His amazing it, friends.
1: Dinosaurs. So it's dinosaurs uh, survived, but instead of evolving into humans... We involved into these kind of like uh, dinosaur that are smaller, but kind of more, you know, buff and action a little bit. So, yeah. Like the
2: TV show Dinosaurs, but for superheroes. I got you. Uh,
1: nope. Nope. Uh, not the mama. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, reading this book,
0: my main reaction was does it make sense that these dinosaurs are wearing clothes and these other dinosaurs aren't wearing clothes? And then I decided it did better, and I just yeah. enjoyed the book.
1: Don't overthink this. And dude. that's exactly Jesus the point. Like,
2: it's the kind of book that you just, you just ride it. And yeah, I think like, the, All right. the, the team here is doing a great job of just keeping it fun and letting it just be like, no, this is what we're doing. They're just yep. dinosaurs, and they're wearing um, spandex. I don't know how they found it. They found a spandex mine of some mm-hmm. sort, mm-hmm. and uh, put it on, and they're off to the races. Well, well you else,
0: know- just real quick, I wanted to say about Juan Gideon's art that uh, it's it's actually very fondly reminiscent of Daniel Warren Johnson's yeah, art. Like exactly. I think there's a similar sense to it. So even though he wasn't doing the art, I still thought. It, it felt right at It's home. in Go his ahead. neighborhood Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. for sure Maybe they're friends And, and guys, that's the thing probably that's,
2: They're probably enemies Maybe but, one of The dinosaur oh. We don't know oh. That's, that's how I mean that's how they get in the head of the dinosaurs. It's tiny brains. They're birds. You know, dinosaurs are birds now. Did you know, you know I it's bet I bet.
0: I bet they went into the DC office and they had like all of these pitches. They pitched like a detective chip book, right? They pitched like uh, Justice League Dark, a Green Lantern book, a bunch of other things. And they're like, Do you have anything from your experience? And in the back of their like tiny little dinosaur brains, they're like, brains. this is what I didn't want to do. Everybody's always it's talking so about obvious. how I'm a dinosaur who wears
2: clothes. It's like sure, fine, I'll pitch from my experience and that's how they got this book. Two things on what you just said, Alex. I like that you started with a. they have a detective chimp pitch as your a, a story to go a in. A story. Like, <laughs> going, detective on in the chimp. DC, man, you got to start big. You got to yeah. start big. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. This is the sixth detective chimp pitch we got. <laughs> Second, no way they went in there with just saying stuff. They brought all the Justice League dressed up. They dressed up birds to look like the Justice League <laughs> and said, you got to de-evolve these birds. And then you got. You know what you got? Dinosaurs, and that's why when you see people pitching, they always walk in with six bird cages with the the pitches on a costume that, on. That's where the
0: phrase canary in the pitch mine comes
1: from. You're yeah, canary that's and that's and right. The Justin,
2: the pitch. You are like, oh, we're not. Justin, up that I don't pitch. know what
1: happened, but I am sorry your brain broke on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I do know what happened, but that's fine. Um, another great thing about pitching DC with birds is you can go right into the children's magic show that you have later in the afternoon <laughs> and make those birds. Disappear! (laughs) Why
0: don't we move on and talk about the first of several free comic book day books. Now, you probably all know this if you're listening out there, but this past Saturday was free comic book day. You can go into your comic book shop, pick up a book. If you did go in and you didn't also buy a book, I'd recommend going back to that shop and buying a book because they actually need to pay for these free comic books. So that's a yeah. hot little tip for you. Uh, but that said, we are going to talk about some of them because they still use this as an opportunity to release some bigger titles and tease some bigger events coming down the road, starting with free comic book day, Judgment Day, number one from Marvel, written by Kieran Gillen, Danny Lore, and Jerry Dugan, art by Dustin Weaver, Karen S. Darbo, and Matteo Lolly. This is kicking off Avengers versus X-Men versus Eternals. The big event coming later this summer in the Marvel Universe. This is through the lens of the Eternals book. It is narrated by the big computer that has been narrating the Eternals book. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm uh, somewhat ambivalent about this event, or at least I was going into it. But reading this book, Kieran Gillen's tone on Eternals in particular is so good and so much fun that I felt like, okay, if this is what this event is going to be, I'm good. I'll, I'll read it because it's going to be a good time. Uh, What'd you guys think though?
2: I think the same thing. And I think what they're, they've done a good job with here is they are putting it, they're really looking at the pieces on the board and they're um, using the elements correctly they're like mutants are, are are they deviating too hard because that comes into Eternals territory and the Avengers are just like we're always checking on stuff so they're always in the mix so that it brings everybody together in a natural way um and they even say in the book like the Avengers and the X-Men have fought before
1: but never like this oh <laughs> it
2: got me oh, feels man. different
1: I, I- I, I felt like that uh, that giant uh, in the book where my head exploded with the uh, verses and the verses and the verses. Uh, but I love all this action, so man, sign me up. There you so go. what
2: are all the villains going to do during this event? Sit exactly. like back and watch everything
0: burn. Speaking of which, why don't we move on to Archie Meets Riverdale, number one, from Archie we- Comics, written by what, what?
1: I just wanted to say the art's really <laughs> bananas what, what? Good.
0: what,
2: what? It was Bananas Good. It
0: was Bananas Good. Archie Meets Riverdale, number one, from Archie Comics, written by Daniel Kibblesmith, art by Pat and Tim Kennedy. You could probably figure out what happens here for the title. But due to a mix-up by Dilton Doily from the regular <laughs> oh, Archie Comics. That first, guy,
2: <laughs> when, he mix it, when he mixes up, it's a problem. Because
0: yes, you know what? He's too smart. Uh people from the Archie Comics universe and the Riverdale universe start switching places, so we get to see a mashup of these two universes. We get to see hot Archie meet regular Archie, among <laughs> other things. I and course of course he takes fun. his shirt off. I mean what it's a good not, time. Um, what a good time reading a comic
2: book. It's I'll like when you, a I, drawing, it's a drawing meaning a doodle. I'll right tell here. you what
1: I did like. A little bed bughead actually. <laughs>
2: You're too excited, Pete. You're like a little bad. Love, living. give me some more of that. I did appreciate
0: that one thing Daniel did with this book, and I'll mention he's a friend of the show. We've had him on a couple of times. Uh, Great stuff. Very funny. Clearly knows what's going on in these two universes. I appreciated the fact that even though Betty, no, Jughead popped into the Riverdale universe, they kept him asexual like that is what he is in regular Archie comics. So they didn't force a romance between pointy nose, Jughead and Betty or anything like that. So they kept that stuff separate. I think that was nice. Um, there's a bunch of fun surprises throughout the book. The art is very fun. The mashups of art. Um, Reggie's great. Reggie's great. Uh good jokes throughout. Like there's some good jokes about Riverdale, some good jokes about Archie Comics. Yeah. You know what you you know what you're getting when you get into it and that's what this title delivered.
2: And you know it's not easy to pull something like this off. It's like super meta. It's like a you know, a mash up between just two different media forms of these characters. So you gotta really tread the line smartly and um and Daniel does it. And the artist I thought does, did a great job of letting the worlds collide and and stick out against each other, but not like it wasn't ever confusing about what was happening. So and, just a great fun um book to read.
1: And and something that I hope the show starts doing more. Uh, is bringing Sabrina in. uh, You know what I mean? Like, come on. She is.
0: Later on in the season, she's coming back.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do
0: it more.
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: Next up, free comic book day, Dark Crisis, number zero from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver, art by Jim Chiang, Chris Burnham, and Rafa Sandoval. Again, this is a kickoff of DC's big event, this time as Pariah being controlled by the great darkness or being an avatar of the great darkness is controlling all of the other big villains of the DC universe. The justice league is dead. A New justice league has risen in their place and it's all about to go down to the pages of dark crisis. Pete, it looks like you have a question.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't have a question. There's just something that I wanted to say, and that is fine. You know What? You know, I, t- <laughs> I, I, say a lot of things about zero issues, but on free comic book day, if you want to do a zero issue, fine, wow. I'll let you wow. that, that that's great. It works this out well. This is like really your well. rum
0: springer, but
1: for this zero is, issues. Yeah. This, yeah. Uh, you know what? Good for you. You did this well. <laughs> I feel like this is a perfect example of a use of a zero issue that works. And uh, frankly, I was impressed with it. Hmm. Jesse, what really? about you? What'd you think of this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I like <clears throat> I like this. I like Clayface in here as a villain. I like. I think this book does a good job of really showing the danger of a world without the Justice League in it. And obviously, we've done crises before. We've done events like this before and a, a world of Justice League we've done before. But this feels like the elements are there to form this new Justice League. And it feels like we, the reader, can see it before even the book is showing it to us in a, in a good way.
0: Yeah, that's the big thing. Oh, go ahead, Pete.
1: I was just going to say, yeah, I also felt very seen um, where uh, Clayface couldn't hold it together. Mm -hmm. Little kid broke him at his day job. And, uh, you know, sometimes you got to just kind of turn around and yell at somebody's kid, you know, because the kid's acting out of line. And uh, I feel like that that was fair and fun and a great use of Clayface. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a good time for sure.
0: Yeah, this to me feels like another one of those DC events that's trying to explain away the bananas continuity that's gone on <laughs> for decades at this point. And your mileage may vary, but Joshua Williamson, I think, is doing a solid job of figuring all that out and then pushing this forward. So we'll see how it executes in the title itself. I hope it lives up to the crisis name, but so far it's off to a nice, solid start. Let's. Uh, uh, yeah. One wait, other thing
2: wait. I want to say. Oh, uh, ooh. Wow, so many things. Wow, look at this.
1: All right, well, I'll go and then you go. Uh, but I did want to say also, though, uh, not to be all negative about kids, uh, the kids in this comic, though, that saved the day really stepped up. I really thought that was a really kind of beautiful uh, uh, metaphor for what the comic was going for, but also the art was really, really good.
2: Um, yeah, I was going to – the the way on uh, sort of the middle of the issue, I think it was like the second um, – sort of section the history of the DC multiverse Mm -hmm. bit when the um, sort of the dark hand, light hand metaphor, Mm -hmm. and we see the fingers with all the different crisis uh, villains, supervillains throughout here. I thought that was one of the best visual explainers um, of the DC universe and how the villains are all working from one single source. Saying it, showing us without saying it, I thought this was just really great.
0: And DC uh, loves their giant hands in space, oh, so that yeah. worked really well as well. Yeah, I was only surprised that that hand didn't have fifty-two fingers, and then everything would come
2: together. Oh, that's so smart! Could don't you know what? We should bring that in there with a with fifty-two birds. <laughs> this is a good idea. We'll dress up the birds as fingers. Uh, Justin, has lost <laughs> this is good. This is Justin good. has lost his smile. We're gonna pitch this. We're gonna pitch this. I got a line on fifty-one. Okay birds. Yeah,
0: okay, dead to DiDio, who I think is still in charge. No, 52 no. birds with 52
2: fingers. What do you think, Detective Chimp? Let's go.
1: That's detect- good. It's a Detective Chimp series. Yeah.
2: He's detect- got 52 uh, chimp fingers. <laughs> I just need to catch one pigeon tomorrow, and we'll set the appointment, okay? Alright, yep. great.
0: Next up, another big event kicking off, Hulk versus Thor, Banner of War Alpha from Marvel, written by Donny Cates, art by Martin Cocoglio. This is bringing together the stuff that Donny has been writing, both in Hulk and Thor. Hulk is in a spaceship in his own body, and Thor is talking to his dad, who is in his Haber. So a lot of weird stuff that needs to be set up here. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, uh, Donnie does it. Has a lot of fun. Brings you right in. Donnie does it. Again. Does Donnie it. does it again.
2: Donnie does it. Let me pitch
0: you this. Here's my pitch. Donnie does it again. What are we thinking?
2: <laughs> um, I mean, Donnie does it. There's a great moment here where the, the uh, Mjolnir is uh, on Hulk, and he's like, you can't get up? They're on the yeah. the bridge of the starship, the meat ship Hulk. And he's like, you can't get up. The hammer's on you. He's like, I've got it. Let's it, show me every hit Thor's ever gotten on me. And he gets so mad that he sits up through his torso. The hammer falls through. And he's like, let's go.
1: Well, in defense, the hammer doesn't move. He lifts, you know, kind of through the That's hammer. That's what I'm saying. He, yeah, lifts, yeah. he doesn't lift the hammer. He yeah. lifts his,
2: the meat. Yeah,
1: it's uh it's super gross. But also the moment where a,
2: sorry, is that how you refer to your body as the meat? Yeah, exactly. When I'm doing a push up, I'm like, time to lift the meat. Oh man. <laughs> god, I gotta go in and get you up in the shower and clean the meat. Oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, that
1: gross. means something
0: different than you think it means. Uh, go ahead. Boy.
1: Um yeah. This this title is kind of insane uh with this kind of battle because we, we kind of have both the characters a little bit out of their gourd so the moments where they're both kind of looking at each other being like who are you talking to was nice um, and uh, but yeah I mean the fight was insane the fact that he did a push up kind of like and uh, left half of his body there was insane uh, but uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen and how this moves forward um, yeah this was amazing action fantastic art a crazy idea I'm all for it. What would you think about
2: to inspire yourself to push a hammer through your back? Uh, It
1: would just be, it would just be you in danger, buddy.
2: Oh, wow. that sounds that's
0: so nice. So that is the opposite of what I thought you were going to say. <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh,
2: Pete, Pete, the meat's in trouble. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Next
0: up, 8 Billion Genies, number one from Image Comics, written by Charles Saul, art by Ryan Brown. This is reteaming the team from Curse Words on a new title. Yeah. As you can probably figure out from the title, the idea is that every single person on Earth Gets a genie with you one get a wish. Genie. You get a genie. You get a genie. All at the same time, and not to spoil it too much, turns out very poorly, almost immediately, uh, as we focus on one bar and a couple of characters in this bar who get genies, as well as in the next issue, we're going to blast out and see what happened to the rest of the world. A uh, Big concept here, big complicated concept. How do you think it played out in the first issue?
2: I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um You know, this curse words um, was a book that felt like it was sort of moving um, through short arcs and um, they were sort of figuring out as they went. And I don't mean that as a slam. I just think it felt like it was like a fun, almost sketch pad of a book where they're like, let's see what we can push these characters through over the course of several years of making it. This one feels like, oh, we've got a plan here from the jump. And it's about. Uh, that recklessness of being a human and we've got our main character one of the main characters the bar owner who very quickly is like makes his wish and it's a very smart wish and i think it sets up just a great dynamic and like a headquarters for there's a
1: little there's a little too much to that bartender i feel like there's going to be more uh Mm -hmm. than meets the mind with that bartender
2: well you know what he looks a little bit like your classic genie
1: yeah, head yeah, exactly. I was was like
2: he's got genie looks, genie mm-hmm. vibes. Genie vibes. Retired genie. I'm getting too I, old for this shit.
1: Yeah, but you gotta be upset though that you uh you make a wish, and then the fact that the bartender did a super wish and you got gypped on yours, you gotta be upset. I mean, that's gotta so be So here's
0: tough. the big question. If you got a genie right now, what would be your one wish?
1: Justin? I'd hold on to that genie wish for a while. See there's yeah, a thing. Mean, don't a rush of into that. You get one wish you lay wish. hold up, hold up. Let's see how mm-hmm. things you know. Uh but yeah, the it was funny to kind of see the person with the more money than they know what to do with, you know, that was an interesting one there. Uh I liked the people who wanted a giant Voltron to fly around in. I mean, that's just smarts. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's what, what so are you good, not gonna giant do with that? Yeah, Which exactly. Giant
2: Voltron? Is that what you'd go for?
1: Yeah, would I mean, you just have just to say get it,
2: four uh, friends to do it?
1: With? No, you don't need to. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, if you. Oh, if it's I, that's a great point. I would wish for four
0: friends.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow! And but no Voltron no. seems I don't think so, seems yet. weird. <laughs> just just
0: <laughs> the very idea of having four friends seems inconceivable
2: to me. Well, I, wow. well let me be honest, Alex. It's a lot to juggle. I don't mm. know if you want to. If you don't have Boltron to keep you busy, what are you guys going to do? Play cards? It's an <laughs> odd number. I,
0: I can't even imagine. I it's yeah. an even. I haven't thought that far in advance.
2: To be no, honest, no. But with me. him, it's five. Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. It's wild. So you know, five people is a hard. Um, here's my prediction for this book: the last wish will get rid of all the what the wishes.
1: Oh. Are. Well, that's, why, well, that's why you were like, oh, wait for it. You got to wait for it. Yeah,
0: yeah, this book is great. I'm very excited to follow it. This team is great. Ryan Brown's art is great. Charles Soule always plans out very intricately with this stuff. So this should be a lot of fun. Why don't we move on and talk about Wonder Woman 787 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad and Jordi Belair. Art by Emanuela Lupacino and Paulina Ganeshau. This is picking up after the end of Trial of the Amazon's as well as yet another story of young Wonder Woman. Now coming out of this event that I think we were mixed positive about, I'd say at the end of the day, how, how are you feeling about Wonder Woman at this point?
1: Well, I think, I think this is a great issue because we kind of, uh, we get to see Dr. Psycho's kind of like full plan here. So now we know a little bit more about what's happening, which is great. Also, um, you know, we kind of you see a classic example of why you don't monolo- do a villain monologue, because if the superhero can hear you, uh, it really gives everything away. So classic kind of rookie mistake here, which was fun. But uh, also like Wonder Woman was just kind of like, hey, you know what? I hope you don't kill yourself. I'm out of here. Like that was a kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. moment. it's like, whoa, all right. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm enjoying Wonder Woman. Uh, I really like the art and the storytelling and kind of putting Wonder Woman in different situations here than we normally see. So cool, cool stuff.
2: Uh, sorry, I was confused here. How come she's not a dinosaur? Mm. Oh, that's,
1: that's not, that's really just in one question. book. That's that doesn't yeah. mean all the uh, so this is my problem she's with comics.
2: They're impossible
1: to
0: read. I mean, what's even going on with them? Oh, you know, <laughs> what's happening?
1: Uh, I do like this book a
2: lot. I feel this um, this issue a lot. I uh, the especially stuff at the back half where you can tell um, uh, Wonder Woman's got some issues with uh, her ex and her sort of I don't know flirtation are roommates, and that's gonna be trouble down the road. Uh, I, I agree with
0: you. I really like when they get past the trial of the Amazon stuff, which is solid, mind yeah. you. But I think this setup with Doctor Psycho in particular. Uh, Putting him forward as like a men's right activist yeah. type person is so smart. That. What a great place to put him. What uh, so pointed and present to Guy's the current day. a piece day. of garbage. He is, and, and putting him in that way is great. So, really good choice there, and as always, the backup is really good as well. Let's move on to talk about free comic book day, Spider-Man <laughs> Venom, number one for Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, Al Ewing, and Ram V, art by John Romita Jr. and Stefano Raphael. Unlike the other ones, this is teeing up something, I think, a little further down the road. This is setting up the big Spider-Man event that is coming our way, I, I think, in the fall, but i I might be wrong about that as well as dark web, dark web, dark web, as Uh, well as what is coming up in the venom title. Uh, what'd you guys think about this one?
1: Well, first off bananas art. I mean, come on, our our Rometer jr. Uh, that's just kind of classic stuff. And you know, we, uh, We've, we've all felt like taking it to a mailbox every once in a while. So, yeah, it was nice to kind of like see Spider-Man work out some of the aggression on that mailbox. You know, who was uh, super mean to that nice old man? Well, I'll tell yeah. you
0: what. Uh, I just want to throw this out there when I was reading this. So there's this mailbox with a lot of teeth. Who was attacking people, and Spider-Man has to take him down. I read that, and I was a little confused because I didn't know what was going to happen in the book. And I was like, is this Venom? Is Venom a mailbox now? What is happening? I thought it was a
2: mailbox situation. But
0: it also, there is a classic thing in the Inferno crossover, the X-Men Inferno crossover, where there is a mailbox who eats people. And that stuck with me from reading that crossover for years. And I was like, this is weird because it's like the Venom thing, but it's the Inferno thing. What is happening? Is it the same mailbox? And ultimately, spoiler, but the reveal is Dark Web is going to be Ben Riley, who is now a villain, teaming up with the Goblin Queen, who was a key character in the Inferno crossover. I don't know how that's going to play out, but uh, as a fan of Inferno, I'm uh, curious to see it happen, is how I'd put it.
2: yeah. I agree. I love that you did such a deep dive on a Marvel mailbox continuity there.
0: I check out marvelmailboxes.com. That's my website and nobody visits it. Aww.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We should um maybe make it a like a a mail thing rather than email. Oh, like a newsletter?
0: Like, yeah. Like okay. a zine. Ooh, that's a good idea. Zeens are hot right now. Let's move on then and talk about Grim number one for Boob Studios, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Flaviano. This is a book about a Grim Reaper who's ushering somebody to the other side. Predictably, it goes a little wrong and then goes even more wrong in other ways. What did you think about the kickoff for this new series?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, this book, at first I was like, okay, this is sort of like a, a, a story we've seen before. Um, it vaguely reminded me of like your death from the Sandman universe. Um, but then uh, very quickly, um, the characters really pop and uh, we get to see that it's like a, a very different afterlife world. And um, uh, the mystery surrounding, I guess, our main character is is intriguing, and I'm I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, I gotta say, uh, I really like the character design. It kind of almost had like a, a Beetlejuice meets kind of like a a grim kind of fairy tales thing. And uh, I did you, like, sorry,
2: did you call? Did you say my name? Meats? Uh, did you call for he, Meats? Yeah, I did call for Meats. I'm you sorry. have to say
0: it three times, or he's not allowed to come
2: back yeah. to life. Yeah. <laughs> um, any- Meatle juice. Meatle oh, juice. Meatle
1: juice. Um, but the art is really fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, I thought this was a great first issue, sets up a world, gets you very excited for more. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how this unfolds and uh, what happens to kind of to our main character who was very cool with being drunk and driving, which I didn't appreciate. Fair enough.
0: Suicide <laughs> Squad, Get Joker, number three from DC Comics, written by Brian Azzarello, art by Alex Believe. This is the last issue of this book, which is a black label book, so it takes place out of continuity, but... Everybody is going after Joker, including a second Suicide Squad. Our first Suicide Squad is led by Jason Todd, the Red Hood. The second one is even more brutal than the first one. And it's an all-out brawl to see who's going to get the Joker by the end here. Um, I love the art in this book. Of course, it's Alex Malieve. Absolutely fantastic. But I'll throw this out here right now for a little bit of discussion, potentially. I wish... This had had a non-ambiguous ending because I well, feel like yeah.
1: it did I, have a non-ambiguous ending. No, an no, no, ambiguous ending.
2: Oh, okay he wants yeah (laughs) because i think with black
1: label
0: your opportunity is to tell stories that have never been told particularly if they are out of continuity so i understand why they didn't give a definitive ending here but i found it ultimately a little frustrating even if overall i really enjoyed this book okay so wait
1: wait 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 you kind of put this out there now i'm thinking you're thinking i'm different things who do you think shot who I mean my
0: takeaway if we're going to talk about spoilers for the book here so if yeah. you don't want to know spoilers turn away for the next couple of minutes from the podcast um I do think ultimately that Jason Todd killed the Joker that's probably your ending here but no, that's what I think No you think the other thing Yeah you
1: saw the Joker had the gun right there on his side I think he shot his dick off. What do you think, Justin?
2: What the fuck? Oof, a lot of options here. Real JFK-style <laughs> situation we're talking about. Because Jason already, JFK shooter.
0: shot his dick off, right? Yeah, I he, remember that. He already famously. has been shot that once. A, from the, the Oliver second shooter. Movie. The second shooter. He's
1: <laughs> already shot. He's a little slow. Joker's got the JFK? gun right there. Oh, Joker. So, yeah, I think Joker got him. If you think about it, JFK... There's a J at the stop, beginning of Joker.
0: The F it. is kind of like the E, and then there's an R at the end. So it's basically the same thing.
2: Yeah. It's like J.K. Mm-hmm. Just fucking kidding is what J.F.K. <laughs> mm-hmm. stands for. Right. Uh, I think that Jason Todd shot Joker. I mean, oh. I, it's a bummer. If it goes the other way, it's a bummer. If it goes that way, then it's sort of like he finally
1: got his revenge. Yeah. Yeah. But did he? Because we didn't see it on. But first off... I love the ending. I also really thought the art was great. I think it was great use of the black label as far as like pushing things kind of like uh, uh, in a darker uh, kind of uh, than, than normally um, where people are actually dying. So I thought, uh, yeah, great use of that. And I like the Harley Quinn cried. I thought that was a very touching moment. And also great use of a lot of different uh, characters that you don't get to normally see. So I appreciated all the kind of character shots. We got mad dog in there, you know, from the arrow. (laughs) Yeah. Overall, really good book. Uh, Definitely check it out. Let's move on and talk about
0: Captain America, symbol of truth. Number one for Marvel written by Toki Onibuchi art by RB Silva. In this issue, we're following Sam Wilson, who is Captain America as he is investigating a new mystery given to him by Misty Knight. They're dating, by the way, and it's very cute. Wow. She said it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Come on. Come on. I don't know. Um, I like this book. I thought this was pretty good. What'd you guys think? I I do like like
1: this book. The two of them together. I like that date. I hope it uh, grows into something more. Yeah, I definitely love this book. I thought the art was fantastic. Um, It was kind of cool to see uh, Misty Knight. I haven't seen her since Luke Cage. uh, series on uh, Netflix, so I uh, I'm, I miss her. I'm great to see her back, and uh, I hope they team up. At, if they don't date, at least they get to uh, team up on stuff. But uh, yeah, I thought this was a fantastic issue. Great, kind of setting things up, moving things forward, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's some touching <laughs> stuff there when they uh, reveal like the people hiding there, and then somebody, you know, the uh, guys like. He knows them, so I thought that was kind of crazy.
2: I like Sam as Captain America, especially in this book. Um, I feel like uh, the Steve Rogers Cap was like so allergic to relationships, almost of any kind. Like he uh, would just sort of be like, "Ah, uh, yeah, we're dating," but well, like he's just never seemed that way. And to see a Captain America who's like. Into uh, a a partner was really cool and feels like so much more realistic, and all of the this the the touches on on Sam here are great um, so yeah, very excited to to get more into this book.
0: Game Pass or Pass is a podcast that puts the Xbox Game Pass library to the test to see which games you should play and which games you should pass on by. Every game, taken directly from the Xbox Game Pass for console or PC, gets either a recommendation to check it out, or maybe you should just pass it on by and try something else. But don't pass on Game Pass or Pass, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, CastBox, and Pocketcasts right
2: now. Did you know there was a Doctor Strange movie in 1978? Or that Tim Burton and Nicolas Cage almost made a Superman movie in the mid-90s? On Superhero Cinephiles, we take you on a journey into the world of superhero films, including The Acclaimed, The Infamous, and The Obscure. And you might just be surprised at some of our takes, because here we want to talk about the things we love, not the things we hate. Listen to Superhero Cinephiles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on the web at SuperheroCinephiles.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at SuperCinemaPod.
0: Go. Let's move on and talk about Avatar Adapt or Die number one from Dark Horse Comics written by Karina Becco art by Benny R. Lobel. Of course, Avatar Fever has once again gripped the nation thanks to the Blockbuster trailer for Avatar, The Way of Water, which the just dropped Way in, of Water. The way of Water. Just uh. dropped in theaters, also just dropped online as well. And now we're getting a title where a bunch of Avatars are doing Avatar things on their Avatar world. What did you think about this comic book?
2: <laughs> um, can, I don't know. Does this... You, Pete, tell me if this works. Um, okay. I find the whole Avatar situation bananas bad. <laughs> <laughs> does, that, does that mean yeah. what I want it to mean, Pete? Yeah, it does. Yeah, nice job. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, yeah. So I'm just not... And like watching the trailer, Like it's cool to watch. It's like watching someone throw a bunch of candy in the air where you're like, oh, cool, that's cool. But you're not like... I can. I want to watch this for two hours. I want to watch this every day. Um, I want, I don't even want to eat the candy. Honestly,
1: let it hit wow. the ground. Uh, wow. First off, there's a lot to unpack there, but let's just try to deal with it one at a time. So you would let candy hit the ground. What, you catch every piece of candy in the air? Yeah,
0: so we talked about this a little bit on our Moon Knight podcast. In the Jewish religion, a lot of people believe that you shouldn't let a yarmulke, uh, the kippah, the thing that you put on your head, kippah. touch the ground. And if it falls, you got to kiss it. Pete feels the same way about candy. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, you gotta uh, kiss that candy.
1: Uh, no, you gotta Beats eat the candy. candy. You eat the candy. The and ultimate kiss. catch it before it hits the ground, uh, so that you yeah, catch it in enjoy. your mouth.
0: In your mouth, you dive
1: down and you catch it in your mouth. So here's the thing about this uh, Avatar, <laughs> not a fan. So I tried to be open minded with the comic book, and uh, there were kind of moments that were cool, um, but uh, yeah, I really didn't like. Um, the humans in it so that was tough uh but um i don't know it was i it just yeah uh, i, I want to like I, it i want like my it. my issue with just the avatar
2: whole universe and the premises of it are they're just we've explored them a lot in a lot more interesting ways in other stories like yes humans are bad for the environment but to just do it again to be like look these humans destroy this environment. I'm like, I know we have that as a real problem. Like, <laughs> tell me a different story. And it's like, the military is actually, they lie and are bad for people. It's like, yeah, I know that. Get I out of here say with
0: this. on the positive, the art is good in this book. I think right. they do a good job yeah. of capturing the world of Pandora, the avatars. And they do. The characters. And
2: I'm mostly criticizing the Avatar essential premise. This yep. book, I think, you know, it, it does a good job of, of setting the table and getting us into the world, um, a world that is sort of not easy to access because it is like all the characters look very similar and sort of act similar and you don't know who is actually who uh, for, from a uh, like what their motivations are perspective. Um, it's just like when the at the end, the kids start getting sick, I'm like, okay, I have a pretty solid understanding of where I think this is going. Uh, I would want to see a, a new type of story told in this Avatar yes, universe.
0: I agree with that. Let's move on then and talk about Seven Secrets, number 17 from Boom Studios, written by Tom hey, Taylor, hey. art by Danielle DiNicolo. He. This is the second to last issue ever of Seven Secrets. We're finally finding out what's happening with the secrets. There's some big Time battles some going secrets. on. There's a lot of fairies in this book, more fairies than I expected from issue number one. But Pete, you seem psyched about this. Talk
1: about this book. Well, I'm not psyched about it ending. I tell you that I, I'm very happy with this issue. This was a great issue. We found out a ton of stuff and a lot about kind of the uh, main couple that we've been following and dealing with their child and stuff like that. Um, big reveal here. Uh I I was just, I think they're making really smart moves with this book. I'm really appreciating all the stuff that's going on. I can't wait to see what's going to happen moving forward. Um, I feel like they did such a great job of like setting up this interesting world and uh, kind of meticulously paying off on uh, the different characters as it goes along. I feel like they're building towards what I hope is going to be a great ending. Um, this book does this
2: thing that like, I don't know how it happens, but it reminds me of like an anime show that I would have watched when I was a kid where I was like, I don't quite know all the details of this. I feel like it's been running for 15 years in Japan. That's just running here in the U.S. Big world, fleshed out, characters doing stuff, and it's going to run for the rest of my life. Um, so, and I mean that all as, as a compliment, like this world is, feels so big. I just can't believe it's ending next issue. May I feel like maybe we could kick off into something else after this. Um, but it feels like a very lived-in uh, big world. I... Agree with that one, too. Moving on to
0: Naomi, season two, number three from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker, art by Jamal Campbell. Now, if you haven't listened to it, we had a great interview a couple of weeks back on the live show with David F. Walker, where he's talking about Naomi, among many, many other things. So definitely go check that one out. But in this issue, Naomi is teaming up with Cyborg and exploring the mystery of what happened to her missing friend. What do you guys think about this issue?
1: I I thought this was a really cool last page. Uh, I really love the art. I'm I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that we're finally kind of digging into this character. I thought that Cyborg was great in this issue. I also really love his look in this issue. I thought this was a really cool choice for Cyborg. And then, uh, yeah, I'm just... Like, I feel like Naomi was kind of put upon us. And now I'm kind of like starting to be like, oh, this is cool. I'm enjoying this finally. I
2: agree exactly with that. I'm enjoying this. Finally, the the first two issues here in this new series um, are have been great, and it feels like we're sort of past all the stuff where it's like she's a clumsy, naive, uh, big wheel in the Justice League, sort of out of nowhere. Um, now it feels like we're getting into sort of the interpersonal relationships here, and it's Bendis back at some of his sort of better story areas where he's like with the Hawk Hawk Girl in here. Oh yeah. Um, I thought that was a fun exchange in her being sort of awkwardly uh, showing up and talking to Naomi's parents. And and then the mystery that's growing um, uh, around them, uh, around her, with um, her friend trying to from Thanagar trying to help her out.
0: Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number one from yeah. Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman, Mark Guggenheim, and Murray Ayotel. The Googs? The Googs, art by Chris Bocciolo, Jorge Fornes, Ooh. and Dotin Akande. This is another of Marvel's anthologies that only uses black, white, and red to color the book. And as you can tell from the title, it is three stories about Moon Knight.
1: Pete, you're a big Moon Knight fan. What do you think about this issue? Uh, well, first off, the botch is my guy. I mean... You I, do ain't love t- the botch. Dude, if you put botch on something, I'm there and I'm going to love it. And this was no exception. I mean, the art's bananas. Just bananas good. I mean, come good. he's
2: doing He's doing a Frankencastle book in, next month that I'm curious he, to hear if you're going to go
1: for. Go fuck yourself. He is not. Go for it. Um, You'll love it. Uh, but yeah, we gotta get a, uh, you know, it's a bunch of stories here, but, uh, they're connected, which is enjoyable. And, uh, some really great character designs, especially in the Spider Man stuff, um, you know, similar to the, uh, TV show where you kind of get a big bad guy fight in there and, uh, man, nothing, nothing like ending it with a little fun, uh, Deadpool cameo. I mean, that was just a fun little thing at the end of that, but yeah, I thought overall three great stories, really amazing teams that they put together on this and they let them shine. And I think this kind of whole, uh, black, white, and red thing is a cool idea and I'm glad they're keeping it going.
2: Yeah, and the Moon Knight, uh, I was surprised to see this uh, as a book. Um, you know, Moon Knight doesn't usually get this treatment. It makes sense with the show uh, just coming out and wrapping up. Um, really like the the Hickman Bocciolo stuff. Like, you know, how often does Hickman contribute to a, something like this? So that was really cool. And then I uh, really like the, the last, I mean, like all the stories, but the last one really I responded to the art and that by uh, Jorge Fornez oh, uh, was just dope. really. More like four me's. I loved it. Yes. More, more like four me's.
1: Mm.
2: Yep. Jenny zero (laughs) volume two, Homeland
0: insecurity is number one from dark horse comics written by Dave Duanch and Brockton McKinney art by Magenta King. Now we checked out the first issue of this book of the first volume, and I think enjoyed it quite a bit. It is about a woman who could change into a kaiju and fight either kaijus. Here she's being taken to, I believe, Japan and still fighting kaijus, but mostly eating burgers and bonding with some old friends. What would you think about this first issue
1: here? Well, uh, first off, I love her love of burgers. Um, you know, it's it's very understandable. You would go through those kinds of lengths to get a, a quality burger. Yeah, you uh, yeah. I think this is a great kind of like setup of a badass character who can't be tied down. You know, she's going to fight her way to her burger joint. And if she's got to like, you know, sign up to do some shady stuff to get some burgers, maybe she's willing to do so as long as her cool friend's going to be there. Uh, I think they do a great job of setting up this character, giving you an idea of what this character is all about and getting you excited for more adventures with this character. Well done. Bananas art.
2: The end. Oh, oh great.
1: Oh, you're done. Okay. Um, uh, Justin.
2: I I like this issue as well. I, I think she's got Jenny. She's got a lot of attitude. Yeah. And, um, she gets to be a badass for sort of the front half of the book and then um, reconnect with some folks. Yeah. She hasn't seen it in a while. I don't know too much about the mystery that's sort of humming underneath um, the, her story and where we're headed by the end. But um, it's a fun enough story that I'm curious to see what happens.
0: Crossover number 13 from Image Comics written by Donnie Cates. Once again, Donnie Does It, art by <laughs> Jeff oh, Shaw. Sure. Hashtag Donnie Does It. Donny, or does he, I guess does we'll he find does out. It? This is does the end of a big it? arc here that has brought Donny Cates into the story of a bunch of comic book characters that have crossed over into the quote unquote real world finishes that up with a big twist at the end here. But uh, what did you guys think? I'll throw out first just to start. I think he did exactly what he needed to do here because the thing weighing over the series was, of course, Donnie Cates is behind it. He's the writer of the book, and they gave us a good, solid twist without getting into it, without getting into spoilers. Yeah. I think it executed really well. It executed emotionally. It's Donnie putting his heart on the page here in terms of his real life experiences, Almost literally. and uh, I liked it. I liked it a bunch.
2: Um, yeah, I always, uh, I don't always love meta. Uh, stuff in comics this mm-hmm. series however has so- gone so far through the looking glass of meta um that even an artist putting themselves in the book another thing that or a writer putting themselves in the book another thing i find uh annoying um it works here and the monologue um that uh, he's giving sort of criticizing the book while also existing within <laughs> the book is fun and uh, there's a line is i like, got some fun cameos um uh throughout i thought was true because he, he did like he's being meta and sort of lightly criticizing a book that actually did a lot of amazing things here so uh, it's cool and the art's great um i'm
1: curious to see where we go uh in this next issue yeah i think this is uh really a lot of fun impressively done um great use of negan uh i just think that like it was uh it took some real. It has some the some of the panels are some real old shit moments. So uh, impressive uh, the swings being taking. Art's really good. So I, I was really impressed with this package. The Sandman mm-hmm. Universe Nightmare Country
0: Number Two from DC Comics, written by James the fourth, art by Lissandro Esteren and Andrea Sorrentino. In this issue, the Corinthian is tr- continuing to try to explore the mystery of who this weird, nightmarish tongue. Eye creature is when he's just a mouth eye creature. Just a regular. Yeah,
2: he's like he's amazing. he's on mouth patrol. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I do this. Exactly. Is that like Paw patrol. T- yes. yeah, if you you Paw patrol? Yes. Yeah. You ever watch Paw
0: Patrol? A lot of the puppies there have mouths for eyes. It's yeah. very disturbing, except for the for ones John. that have other teeth for eyes.
1: <laughs> uh, well, first it's off, fun. this is amazing art. Like really amazing art. Um and I use the word art because it's it's really impressive what they're doing here. Um, oh, you're using the word art? Yeah, yeah. Um, I also just think that like the ending was crazy bananas. Like that was very creative and very creepy. And like the nightmare after nightmare scenario that they kind of like crawl through in this episode was just. Ugh. It was uh a much a little too too much, but man, what a page turner. Um yeah, I was just really impressed. Um as someone who's not the hugest Sandman uh fan, um and then scared of the title. They're called Sandlers. Um yeah, yeah I was a little trepidation. Hey, Sandlers. Sandlers. Uh it's the Adam Sandlers. Yes. But uh yeah, it was uh it was a really good package. Oh, I not look-
2: a new game that's
1: <laughs> good Thank you.
2: um i love that we're slowly closing in on a time when p only says the word bananas in different ways <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's up to us to translate for him uh that'll fun. be a
1: dollar 25 pop
2: uh, well, what nice. was that from a deep uh, cut adam sandler quote um, uh, if okay. hmm. yep. i speak in their language here yeah i was gonna go
0: for the da na na minion thing and
2: uh, yeah, I know. You're always trying to squeeze the minions into this conversation. <laughs> and I don't quite understand who you're aiming at with <laughs> your minions. The, the, I've never seen any minions content, and I have children.
0: The Grudels. The Grudels, the fans of the minions. We call ourselves Grudels.
2: Um Cool. Uh, I, I mean, I would say we should just cut this out. But no, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't I don't honestly don't know what to talk about now. That you're, I would, I would much rather you confess to, to committing a murder than I
1: <laughs> uh, Well, as a Sandman fan, what did you think
2: of this? um i like this a lot um i l- love corinthians um i love the corinthian and i love the corinthians bibles yeah i was statements. gonna say uh huge fan <laughs> of the corinthians uh, <laughs> like a lot of know, great stuff in there yeah, I yeah. haven't read the rest of the books <laughs> corinthians rocks yeah. fucking slaves i haven't read the whole bible but man corinthians is my i'm my just gem. jumping around to the the sort of the cool parts of the bible. <laughs> joseph could uh, suck it but man corinthians uh, yeah.
1: is where it's at
2: no, in Corinthians, people are like Joseph gets sucked in. That's all they talk about. They say it all the time. I did a cursory read. Um I love the I love the Corinthian um as a character, and to have him be sort of the central uh, part of the central mystery here, tracking down um uh, tongue tongue eyes,
1: uh is oh, gonna be fun. Yeah, and I like how they talked about it and he was just kind of really over it. He's like, I they I can just see. All right, I can just see. Out of yeah, teeth. it's fun. Don't even a lot agree. of great
2: dialogue. I mean, it's, it's James Tynan. Like you know, he's going to bring that. Oh yeah, uh, that great writing heat here. And just to uh, to close the loop on mouth patrol peas, when um you a bunch of candy gets thrown in the air and you have to kiss it into your mouth, yeah. <laughs> I could do it.
0: <laughs> Shang-Chi, yeah, number 12 from Marvel, written by Gene Lun Yang, art by Marcus To This is wrapping up a big arc here for Shang-Chi and then kicking it into the next title as we have introduced the Ten Rings into the Marvel Universe. A very uh, expected but nicely executed thing, <laughs> yeah. I think. Well, hey, and, you know. Uh, remember course, the movie? I that, mean,
1: uh, it was so now, popular, now it did here. so well. Guess what? Yeah. Now it's a part of it. But you know, Jin
0: Lun Yang knows what he's doing when he's writing a story and he makes it work here. And I enjoyed this quite a bit. What about you guys?
1: I also really enjoyed the dragon reindeer. Yeah. I know.
2: Um, the um, I agree with you, Alex. I think this uh, the way this is sort of almost like a movie novelization uh, brought into the Marvel universe. I thought was a well executed version of that, and I'm looking forward to telling a story that we sort of don't know as much about um, for for Shang Chi.
1: Yeah, but but I yeah I also just think that um, this was a necessary kind of move to make, you know, for the comics to kind of like. Talk about the 10 rings and kind of have Shang-Chi kind of controlling them and kind of also being really cool with it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, hey, you know, all I need is four. You know what I mean? Yeah. mm -hmm. Plus,
2: like wearing a ring on your forearm is
0: hard. Sorry. I gotta be honest, they're bracelets. I don't want to get into this too much because I feel like wow. people Whoa. got real angry at me wow. when I said that during the movie, but those are not rings. Those oh are bracelets. Oh my man. god. No, you were shouting wow. that during the movie. I was, I was screaming it. I was like I was <laughs> like one of those double dies people, but that was you? You sheep? It's an armlet! It's an armlet or a bracelet of best.
1: I, I don't know if you felt it, but I threw a soda at you, and it just missed. I was, like, so close. Yeah, I yeah, I, caught I, it turned my, it. <laughs> I turned my mouth, and I slurped it up.
0: Oh, Tales from Harrow yeah. County, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Emily Schnall. In this issue, a waitress is trying to hide out and just stay away from a bunch yeah. of weird stuff in her town and keeps finding her anyway. Love the execution of the slow, creeping, terrifying, but weird horror in this book. I thought overall this was really well done. I expected it to be an anthology, but that's not what it was at all, and I appreciated that. What about you guys?
2: Yeah, especially uh, sort of a slow burn uh, first issue like this. I'm happy that we're going to get to sort of— uh, be here for a little while. I really like the art here. Um it, the tone that um that Cullen Bunn is establishing with the writing is really paid off with the art, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I I really think the art's really kind of cool. They you kind of like so cre- bananas I could feel. Uh, it. Yeah, yeah, but I I really bananas thought cool. It was uh the kind of creepy New York that was kind of created there in the beginning. I also really like the move of being like here's this uh story about these two people in an alleyway then we cut back to the diner and then we're going to go back to that story i thought it was so smart and i like how it trusted the reader to remember what was going on with that so yeah i uh, i appreciated those moves and uh, i liked how like we we're kind of getting a longer kind of story here so yeah i think it's cool um pete uh, real quick before while we have a second before we get to our next
2: comment would you review this banana
1: Uh, Yeah, how would
2: you review this banana
1: right here? Uh, It's a little smaller than your average banana and also invisible, but I'm sure it's delicious. I I don't
0: even know how to respond to that. (laughs) Superman, son of Kal-El number 11 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by C and Torby. In this issue, John is dealing with the revelation from the end of the last issue where Batman told him, hey, your boyfriend's a bad guy. Batman's talking shit. Batman is talking talking shit. And Batman gets called on his shit this issue. Pete, you raised your hand there.
1: What's going on? I love this comic. Uh, so the, good! The art is unbelievable. It was just uh, such a cool depiction of these characters, such small moments, but the, having such huge. The fact that you know Batman got put in his place by yeah. uh, Superman's dad was just. Yeah. Paul Paul Kent's like what the fuck did you just (laughs) say Yo Batman You better back the fuck up Also Batman real quick let's look at your history Hmm uh uh, what You're gonna take shit you were dating Catwoman and uh a murdering Psycho Okay, cool 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 I can see why you would want to give people Advice why don't you sit The fuck down and let this guy live his Fucking life Uh, I also like that Paul
2: Kent's like Yeah I, I talk to Alfred a lot Oh, yeah. oh you don't know I talked to Alfred? Yeah, I talked to Alfred all the time. Missed the guy. And Batman's yeah. like, I don't even talk to Alfred. He just brings me soups.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh I thought it was such a cool moment. I I feel like uh this is breathing a fresh air into these characters. It's really giving like uh having things feel new again. I mean the you know, just kind of it makes Batman feel different. It makes Superman feel different. It's just I'm really makes you
2: feel different.
1: Yeah, it's just making smart choices with the character. I really appreciate the points that they're trying to make here. Uh it's very, very impressive uh uh what's happening. And I loved how Paul Kent was rolling uh deep for his son. It was just it was just beautiful.
0: All of the relationships here are great. The one additional one that I'll give a shout out is the exchange with Nightwing. Where Superman says, hey, do you mind if I come and help you with those ninjas? And Nightwing's like, I do not feel proprietary about these ninjas. Come and (laughs) help
1: me. It's okay. Yeah. Also, there's a fire. Yeah. Yeah, Great stuff. Was
2: just such a great issue. This book is so good. Moving on. One of the best comics. One of the best comics on the stands. Fantastic. You're not reading this.
1: We were talking about, I don't know if it was on the live show or whatever, but like uh, dealing with relationships and family and this is a great example of that. And like Superman going to his friend first for kind of advice to kind of talk things out and really. Get, I just thought it was uh, it was just so well done. Noctara number 10, from Image Comics, written by Scott
0: Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel. In this issue, we are continuing to put pedal to the metal per the title, as yeah. the group is finding out more about how to potentially bring light back to the world. Things go horribly wrong in this issue, but they also make some move forward as well in terms of the overall
1: plot. How are you feeling about this so far? Yeah, you want to talk about some crazy moves. Uh, this... Every, you know, I feel like I'm a broken record, but every time I'm like, okay, cool. I understand where it's going on. We're just going to sit with this idea for a little bit. It fast forwards to the next thing. It's really impressive how quickly this is moving, how much uh, this continues to change, what characters they're focusing on. This is a great example of comic book storytelling in an impressive fashion. Uh, yeah, the... The characters, the art, uh, this is just really a ton of fun, increasingly exploring the world that they set up, and a villain who not only changes sides, but also kind of like really helps tell the story. is very impressive.
2: You got competing Williams trying to inherit the name Bill. Yeah. Which, you know, all Williams out there are chasing that. Uh, Right now, Billy Shakespeare obviously has it. In my (laughs) normal life, I put the pedal... Near the metal mm-hmm. uh, Above the metal mm-hmm. Halfway toward the metal Never do I put it to the metal So uh, It's too fast <laughs> So I appreciate it here in this book That we're going all the way And I do think this book does go hard uh, All the time Stuff's always happening Yeah Last, we are going to talk about,
0: as mentioned earlier, this is a request from Jolene on iTunes, Catwoman, the Catfile from DC Comics, written by Chuck Dixon, art by Jim Belent. This is originally printed in issues, I believe, 15 through 18 in the 1993 version of Catwoman, or at least it was released in 1993. It's a arc that finds Catwoman going on a James Bond-esque adventure as a guy first spars with her and then eventually, spoiler, wants to marry her. Mm. Now... Uh, I feel like we should put this out here up front before we even get into the book proper. Yes, one thing we mentioned on a earlier podcast where we teed this up is, gosh, whatever happened to Chuck Dixon? He was really uh, a, a important part of '90s comics. The thing that happened to him is, uh, reportedly, <laughs> he became a QAnon supporter and a comic skater, among other things, uh, has become involved in some absolutely horrible trash. Literally
2: making a QAnon comic. Yes. Which is not good. Awful. So I'm
0: going to just go out and say, and this is no reflection of the request from Jolene. I want to be very clear about that up front. Nobody should buy this comic book. It's out of print (laughs) anyway, but don't support this. It is a bummer of a thing because obviously there's other people that worked on it. I haven't looked into necessarily like Jim Belen's background or anything like that. Uh, clearly people put this out, they put, you know, uh, presumably their heart into it, but Chuck Dixon, in my opinion, is not somebody you should be supporting in any way whatsoever. Uh, that said, do we want to talk about this book at all? Since we did actually read it regardless.
1: Well, it was interesting that we kind of got in the uh, Batman movie, we got to see the kind of like the escape uh, that they kind of, that Catwoman used was what they used in the uh, movies. So I thought that was interesting. We kind of got to see that's or, that origin story there. So yeah. that was interesting. Beautifully
2: drawn panels here of that. I
0: I, I got to be honest, not to be like a total negative deli here. Uh, and granted a lot of the experience reading this was like, Oh, if I read this back in the nineties, I would be like, this is so cool. But now the whole idea, and I know this is comics in general, but the whole idea of like Catwoman basically being a naked person who they edited out, the nipples and then colored her purple. Very weird. To nah. me. I, I, I don't need to read comic books like that anymore. To be well, honest. that
2: was definitely most comics back in. Yes. Uh, back, back in the day. Um, So, like, I I wouldn't say that this comic is specifically doing that more than other comics. Absolutely not. That was 90s Um,
0: comic books. Also, the villain is very, like... He has a thing on his face and he's much wider than he should be for a human being. So, again, a very, like, 90s thing. So, of the yeah. time, I think that all makes sense. I thought
1: you were going to say, like, a very 90s thing, like Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Phantom yeah. of the Opera, very 90s. That's what I went to see it. it I mean, it's 15 true. times I, in theaters,
0: you
2: know, couldn't get enough. Come see it at the beautiful Pantages Theater in lovely Toronto. How, how, does, how
0: does... Gloriously restored. Pantages how does that chandelier fall so slowly, you know?
2: yeah
1: I don't know'll we'll never know I don't know what what show you saw but it followed well, fast uh, really?
2: Alex saw it and uh, up in probably on Broadway because uh, mm-hmm. he was a fancy oh, so not Aladdin. in the original theater we, Pete and I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pete and I saw a commercial for it playing in Toronto
1: because we grew up in upstate New York and they ran the shit out of that stuff yeah. uh, it worked uh me my parents took me to go see it because of that commercial in Toronto I have to to restore Pantages Oh I went Oh yeah Wow we oh never. yeah,
2: and the chandelier
0: moved quickly when you saw it at the pantages yeah, theater. Yeah,
1: fell all the way almost to the bottom, And then stopped, and then really? kind of like, yeah. several actors were horribly injured. In the uh, oh my god, that's terrifying! One yeah, of them horribly
0: I disfigured on his face. I remember really looking to, to that because I hated the musical while I was watching it, and then they end the act with the chandelier coming down, and I knew that was the big thing, and I was like, "Why is this Masquerade so Here is the, the other thing: the <laughs> choreography on "Masquerade" it's all just like masquerade. Stamping down a staircase. <laughs> Come on, man!
1: Uh, don't you? Oh. Fucking attack! That It was that was beautiful. It was um, a different time. It's it like, like the nineties uh, comics of choreography. Yeah, all yeah. the actors
2: are just painted with their their nipples sticking out.
1: <laughs> the the other part <laughs> that I wanted to say part. that I thought was funny was when Catwoman was waiting to kind of like further her gadgetry to kind of pop the safe. She had a juice box, mm-hmm. which I thought was, funny. It was fun.
2: I did. Like um, that. Yeah. I mean. The iconic cover in uh, issue 18, her in her costume with the wedding dress on. Yeah. Um, definitely one I think was a trading card that I had uh, back when that was a thing. Um, I This this Catwoman, we, we talk a lot about how Catwoman has changed her, uh, wardrobe has changed um, so much. Uh, this is a very specific age for her costume that we just yeah. talked about. But I, I also think the character is different. Reading this comic now, I was like, this isn't, Selena Kyle, this is the Huntress. Mm. I was like, this is a Huntress story to me. Um, and I don't know if what, how that maybe has changed. Um, I, I like a lot of what the, uh, <coughs> how the character sort of is, what the character's doing. And like I said, some of the art, especially in the first two issues, I thought was real beautiful. Like her, uh, like, The the angle we're seeing her run down the building was really cool, and and all that kind of stuff. It definitely gets bogged down by '90s like male gaze stuff, uh, I think, over the course of it. But um, I did,
1: I did appreciate the fact that like she was like, oh, I'm gonna have these giant boots, and then I can kind of have my whip right here, uh, you know, and keep it in there. So I thought that was like, oh, cool, smart. There you go. Smart
0: stuff coming out of that book. Uh, Seriously, though, Jolene, thank you for the recommendation. If you, Jolene, you're great. Yes, Chuck Dixon, you're not great. If you would like (laughs) to suggest something to us, preferably not a Chuck Dixon book, then you can do so in the comments over on iTunes, as mentioned at the beginning. It can be in a trade, a graphic novel, something with Ninja
1: Turtles, yeah, whatever. It can
0: be literally anything. If it's from The Purge or anything like that, if you use there is a little bit of a preference if you use like a Minions fan name or something Mm -hmm. like that as your account name, but no pressure. No pressure. Absolutely. Doubling down on this. Uh, Making it feel
2: too real.
0: All I'm saying is Minions Rise of Gru is coming out into theaters this summer.
2: The more you say, it's giving me shivers all up and down my meats, and I don't appreciate (laughs) that. If you'd like to support this podcast,
0: (laughs) patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast. YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop.
2: See, Alex is the weird one, is what I'm just saying. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm I'm normal. Justin yeah.
0: has the meats. This is Da-na-na's good. <laughs>
2: enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at bet